iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 17. Hi, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is Connor Kilpatrick alongside Josh Flanagan. Hello, and you're not alongside anybody. Well, in in spirit I am. In spirit, indeed. Also, Sorry, I'll start off negative. The, the uh, less snarky Ron Richards. Hello. And here at iFanboy, we read a lot of comics. We like comics. We enjoy good comics. And we have one person every week pick the best comics they read, and we're going to talk about it. And this week, that was Josh Flanagan. Uh, that is correct. Um, I bought some books. I thought it was going to be a bigger week than it was, but apparently my, my new shop uh, let me down a little bit. Uh, so the, I, the luster has come off the new relationship? Well, of the of the five books I'd planned to buy, they only actually had, had, had uh, three of them. But the thing was is that one of the books he said uh, never wear, which is the Neil Gaiman Vertigo uh, adaptation. Uh, some, he said people were coming in all day and buying multiple copies of it, and I was like, "Really? Wow!" Yeah, I was. I don't. I, I'm guessing that that's not like a, a collector thing. It's more like other people like that who don't crazy Neil Gaiman fans. Yeah, and so like they're buying them for their friends or their whatever. But I guess it happened more than once. So there was none of those left. Um, and then the other one was the Tom Balin book that that was on that we put on the site, uh, the I Heart Marvel, right? Which I was going to pick up, but uh, apparently it sucked. Yeah, you didn't miss much. It was. Okay. First of all, I didn't realize it wasn't going to be the, the book we talked about on the site. So I was looking for the story by uh, that dude yeah. <laughs> whose name I don't remember and the art by the guy from Invincible. But Tom Bayland and, uh, and Corey, Corey Walker? Yeah, that was not the case. That was, it oh. was pretty bad. Well, the art was by Corey Walker and the t- writing was by Tom Bayland. It just wasn't that story. Really? Was it? Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, look at the back page. It's writer Tom Bayland, pencil Corey Walker, and it was Corey Walker doing pencils. I had well, a hard. No, the, the the Wolverine story was Daniel Way, writer and Ken. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm confused then. And the second story was Peter Milligan. Right. It was three stories, and none of those were the people. None of these were these. So my pick of the week was Jonah Hex number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> we got off off. Anyway, uh, I didn't have a lot to choose from though, um, and and I really liked this, but uh, we've kind of talked about this book before, and, but it was more it was more of the same kind of good stuff. This was a one singular story. Uh, like they've all been so far, and and I, I like I, I wrote this in, in, on the website that I'm realizing that this isn't a historical account. This isn't like a, a journalistic account of the things of Jonah X. It's like it's like a comic ver- book version of telling a, a story around a campfire or a legend that gets passed around. You know that kind of old tradition of you know like there's tall tales and he's doing things that the normal men can't do and. It's just it's it's got this little feel that's slightly off from they're not trying to capture you know that vertigo feel of 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 desolation and 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 you know despair and all that and they're not trying to capture the high action GI Joe episode of like what a Marvel comic would be. It's got its own sort of western feel, which is very unusual, I guess, in comics today. Um, Especially for mainstream comic. It is. It's a DC. It's not even on Vertigo. It feels like it should be, but it's not. Um, and you know, it, it's it's the again like the first thing I said when I opened it up is I was like, oof, that art looks really good. Like it's really like it's it's just all appropriate. Everything in the book is appropriate for the book. 
uh, and it, it's neat to see a book that it, it, that inhabits sort of the space that it has to exactly. You know, it's, if this had been, you know, um, like Battle Chasers art, it wouldn't fit, obviously, but... Um, Everything was appropriate little, to the story. Yeah, like the, and the art is a little bit antiquated, it's a little bit old-fashioned, but it's, it's still, it doesn't feel like it's like an old reprinted story that doesn't feel modern. It does feel relevant and everything, but um, very good. And, you know, this is just another one of those... You know, cowboy out for revenge. Somebody tells him he's doing the wrong, you know, doing the wrong thing, so he corrects it and shoots all the bad guys. And that's what's happened in every episode so far. But it's all been entertaining. It is. It's all very entertaining, and it's it's a, kind of a quick read, and you know, it's a simple sort of morality play, and uh, but it's a fun time, and uh, you know, it's certainly a, a, a different thing than a lot of the other stuff that's going on right, anything else that's going on right now. Um, so I was good. No, I was just interested in something you wrote on the website about how. You didn't really get westerns until you were 26. I'd say that's about right. I mean, I'm. It's one of those things where. What did you mean you go, by that? Well, if you go to school, we're a place where, like, if you go to a film school or, or a place where a lot of people are paying a lot of attention, that kind of thing. Especially people who are into like film historians are always into westerns because they comprise what is the sort of the the foundation of a lot of American movie making, I think. Uh, you know, the Western was the first great American movie art form that we had, you know, along with, like, gangster movies and and, and, uh, and whatever. But I think the Western... And I, don't, I didn't really like them for a long time because they seemed overly simplified and, you know, there is that black and white to them. But there's something else that I, I just didn't appreciate for a really long time. It wasn't like one of those things like I loved them as a little kid. I actually didn't appreciate them until I was older. Mm-hmm. And Unforgiven was the example I used that everybody says is the greatest movie in the world. And the first time I watched it, I thought, nothing happened in that movie. What was the point of that? And then then later, you know, as I got to be more egg-headed, I guess, it's a, you know, I understood what it meant that that movie's a deconstruction of the Western. It it uh, Whereas this, this book actually is not. This is a, a straight-up Western. There's good guys and bad guys, and everything is clear-cut. And the good guy does the right thing, and he survives all the odds. And there, there's something sort of fun and pure to all that, um, that that you don't get with a lot of a lot of modern comic books. Are, you know, they're they're steeped in the gray area. What's right? What's wrong? What's everything? And this is just that sort of clean, straight, refreshing sort of um, straight-ahead story. And it's fun sometimes. It's not fun all the time, and it's not fun with all genres. But it's it's good with this. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Well, I think you got to have that with westerns. Well, you don't know. That's not even true. I think. I think it's the Western plays very easily into the black and white morality tale. You can obviously have great Westerns that fall in the gray area, the the searchers being a prime example of that. But right. um, you're right. And you would think comics would be rife with black and white, but these days it's it's more, you know, the readers demand more of a gray area to their comics. Yeah. It's sort of a throwback to the black and white. We know is, Jonah but at the Hex same is, time, it does it without feeling antiquated. It doesn't. But the other interesting thing is Jonah Hex is the good guy, but he's he's terrifying looking. He is, and he's a bounty hunter, and nobody which likes is, him. Which is, you know, he's not the, he's not riding in with a white hat, and looking like Montgomery Cliff. He's he's uh, he's got some horrible skin flap that Josh just wants to cut with a scissor. Can't you just cut that? Can't you just if if you don't look at this, and, and I'm guessing a lot of people haven't. I, do you know what happened to Joe? It looks like he got burned or something, but he's got like this, this little bit of skin over on the on the right side of his face that sort of connects his upper and his lower lips, and it's always there, and I don't know why, but just, you know, he's a tough guy. He could take it. Just snip that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think. 
grisly, but uh, it's a good book. It's a really solid book. Mm-hmm. It, I have fun, fun reading it every month. That's it's, the most it's, important thing. Exactly, and if you're reading, um, it's the other one right now, Loveless. It's a hell of a lot simpler than that, so it's sort of you don't have to work as hard. That's um, true. Yeah, but I'm guessing but, you didn't uh, read that, Ron. No, I bet Ron's asleep right now. Yes. <laughs> There's no Cyclops in it. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, and so far, there has been no superpowers of any kind. But I don't think we're going to see any. Do you, Ron, I mean, uh, Connor, you, you know more of the history behind this, do you, don't you? I mean, well, he, a little. He comes from old DC books. I mean, he's a, he's an old character, but I mean, I, I would expect that at no, at no time you will see a superhero power in any of this. Did he show up in like Crisis? He did, didn't he? Not not I'll, the new one, the old one. No, Crisis on Infinite. I don't Earth. believe so. Really? Well, I think there, there was one point where Jonah Hex went to the future, and he was. You know, when, when the Western stopped selling, they propelled him into a sci-fi arena where he looked time travels, and I know that, he kind that may of have, exists. Yeah, this that may like have popped up, but I don't remember that happening. Yeah, it seems oh, like sorry. they've taken him back to his roots here before any of that happened. So he's just sort of the legendary gunfighter of the past. Right. Hey, do you know who did the cover for this? I can't read the signature on it. It's a really beautiful cover, though. It's not in the credits. Uh, cover no, by Howard Chaykin. Oh, oh wow! Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're getting one of this one of those books where every every month somebody else does the cover and they've all been really nice. This one's particularly nice, really nice coloring. He he's lines. the he's like one of those names where you just you you I mean you wish he did more, but you know. I think he's got a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, he, he does. Ho- he does movie stuff, Hollywood stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah, TV and Hollywood. Wasn't he doing Mutant X and all that stuff? Right. So yeah, we didn't say it was good Hollywood stuff. No, no, no we didn't. <laughs> Ron, what did you read since since you've been left out of this conversation? No, uh, trust me, I don't mind at all. Um, you guys <laughs> can talk about your Cowboys and Indians all you want. Um, I had a mediocre week. You know, I bought a stack of books, and nothing really stood out as awful, but nothing really stood out as great. Um, although, you know, um, the Ultimate Extinction's in full swing with uh, at the helm of Warren Ellis, which I know is you know always a hot topic. <laughs> I p- actually this week I picked up um, Next Wave, which I had read somewhere it sold out, and I think I read somewhere else that. <laughs> It was it was really good because I kind of flipped through it at first and I was like it looks nice but I I I didn't want to buy another one of those books because I kind of knew what to expect from them and so I went and I picked it up and I, it looks it, let me just start off the the art is by Stuart Eminen who is apparently completely changed his style from what I remember he used to do very sort of photo photorealistic yeah really you know sort of interesting and now it's like this I'm not gonna call it an anime style but it's definitely more cartoony it's oh more, it's completely uh, different it's very powers esque. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's, com- yeah. it's an a- more of an animated style. It's completely different from what it used to I really like the art, actually. I love art like this. Um, but the book is just... I, I and It has nothing to do with, with any of my Warren Ellis griping in the past, but every time I read his books, they're just full of people talking really tough and being using creative language uh, about beating other people up. And that's like the whole thing. I'm going to rip his ass out through his teeth and just like his ways to just sort of try to be clever... It's just every page is trying to be clever. In every book that I've read from him, it feels exactly the same. And I don't know why people are still falling for it or they like it, but I thought it would run get kind of old by now. Well, I, I, I mean, I honestly think that this one is just going to flop in this in their face because it, I mean, you like the art. I, I didn't, I'm not a real fan of it. I didn't think it was that mm-hmm. great. Um, 
the story was at, it was a little it was like take a little bit of thunderbolts and a little bit of authority and push it all together. Yeah, you think he's um, kind of his story is kind of really feels phoned in. Yeah, you know, it's like okay, a lot of reluctant heroes who don't want to be working together and okay, let's get a a a, a B-lister like uh the female Captain Marvel and Photon. and Machine Man who I actually really actually Machine Man was the only character in the book that I liked that I that I liked the, the approach with it. Yeah, but and, now he's angry. My robot brain needs beer. What does that mean? Yeah, I don't yeah. But the thing is is that like if you want to be creative <laughs> with your language and you want to curse, then just fucking curse. Don't don't say Apsa and like little skull and crossbones lootly instead of Apsa fucking lootly. Just say it. Right. You know what I mean? Throw a max title on throw a max label on it if you have to, but just don't have the balls to do it. Don't yeah, you know? And it's like it's almost like he's trying to be all risky risque Warren Ellis, but in the safe Marvel world. And it's gonna it's gonna completely flop in his face. And the Hey check. Yeah, and the crap about about it selling out. I mean, we get. I mean, for the, so that that means nothing. Yeah, that means absolutely nothing because you know. I know and that that didn't make me pick it up. But it's what sold did out at a wholesale up, level. Yeah, not, not even it's sold out at a wholesale level. If you look at if you look at the press releases Marvel sells, sends out when every one of their books sell out, they never mention how many they printed. Mm-hmm. So I can print twenty thousand copies of a comic book and tell you it sold out and be like, oh my god, it sold out, and you're really impressed. You didn't know that I only printed twenty thousand. Yeah, you know, so it's it's just it's just. It's but it's just, still, even then, it just doesn't mean they sold it to the readers. It, right. Yeah. Could be stacks that. and stacks at the comic store. Right. Which is even which which there probably are. Go to your local comic store and see how many are left on the shelf. You know. Do you know so. what this feels like? It feels like like a Guy Ritchie movie, but not quite as inventive. Like it's just everybody posing and being tough and using yeah. funny phrases, and it's like. It is kind of cool at first, but geez, it's been like ten years now, and this is the only trick I'm seeing coming out of there. Yeah, I didn't even think it was cool at first. I mean, it just. It, no, I, I mean, know. I enjoyed the first time I read the Authority or whatever. I was oh, like, I thought ah. you meant. With, I thought you meant with this book specifically. No, no, I just no, but I mean, literally, like, ah, oh, he's ripping his spine out. It's gross. Ha ha, it's funny, and it's still happening. It's just watered down now. And the big joke in this is that they fight Fin Fang Foom, and of course, the big joke about him has always been that he has little purple underwear on. So that has to be, like, the joke that everybody knows and is already told and. Yeah, I don't know. It's just not. It's not inventive. So I'm not buying the next one of this. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm. In fact, I. I don't even think I'll keep the the copy I bought. My God, what are you gonna so, do with it? Shred it? I'm gonna burn it. And, and so, like, <laughs> in and, effigy. And and, and and you know what's funny is that uh, you know Transmetropolitan. I'll, I'll go back. Is is one of my favorite sort of runs of any book ever. I was. That's a great book. Hugely fan, but it was there was so much more to it than there is to this book or anything I've read out of him for for a long time. It was very dense, and it was there was a. It almost big feels like he plot. won't go deeply anymore. It's all very to see all the stuff he writes now. Yeah, yeah. Another fault is very deep. Um, did either of you guys pick up uh, the new Sensational Spider-Man? No. no. Really? No. Yeah. No. I don't know why I re- I decided I was like I haven't read a Spider-Man book outside of this in a while. I, so I, you, picked, I, you picked now to start doing it. Well, I did. I did not pick it up, but I did pause and look at it probably for the same reason why you picked it up. Because the cover did catch my eye. It's a really good cover. Yeah. What was, what was uh, the cover? It's just, the guy. Basically, he does McFarlane. Uh, I mean, it's what it think, is. The artist does McFarlane. You think we'd be pet beyond that? I get. Yeah. So I always loved that. I guess is my my one soft spot. I love McFarlane Spider Man. It's what made me fall in love with comics when I was a kid. Um, but I'd also read somewhere like this is a new team because I heard the last one was absolutely horrible, and I just it thought, well, I'll I'll try. I'll give it the first try. You know, I'll give it the first it? issue a try. Robert Aguirre Sacasa. Oh, he's great. He's the one who's been writing a four, the Marvel Knights Fantastic Four book that I love. It's okay, but I don't think it started yet. And Angel Medina's the artist. Yeah, and, and like so I heard that the writer was good and they 
Oh, totally and Angel, Angel Medina is straight out of McFarlane's studio. So. Yeah, and that, you know yeah. what? That doesn't bother me because like, right. if there's any title that McFarlane stuff fits with, I don't mind it in this stuff. I love those Spider-Man. Is it like I mean, crazy, have... crazy webs going everywhere and Peter's uh, hips above his head when he's swinging? There's a lot of really crazy angles. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like textures and fabrics, lots of lines and you know, very detailed little drawings and the faces are exaggerated and everything. The, you know, it's a little inconsistent. It's not as precise as... You know, um, back when McFarlane was doing Spider-Man, that was a great time to be a kid reading comics. Oh, God, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, but, you know, it was okay. I, I really... I kind I was like... I was really hoping... I'd be like, oh, it'd be great if this was really good. Um, but I am going to... Re- I'm going to buy the next one. I'm going to give it another couple of issues. Well, look at you getting a Spider-Man it. book. I felt like it. After... I'm telling you, after I read that New Avengers trade, I was... I'm really in the mood for it. I keep hoping for it to be good, but well, obviously little, my standards are very high. Little did I know what would happen after you bought that book. <laughs> you started with <laughs> a bad ball rolling there. Yeah, right? I just, know. just take a taste, kid. Well, the problem is, is that there's nothing to back it up. The first it's, one's free. Yeah, no, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, there's nothing to back it up, which sucks. But and and that's what really bought. For some reason, with the, especially with the new Avengers, I just I noticed how, uh, you know, one of the things that kind of annoyed me about Marvel in the past couple of years has been like, you know, four issues of a book came out, and the next week the trade was out. And yeah. you know, and I know we we always go back and forth on the trades versus single issues, and I'm more pro single issues, and you you guys are kind of more leaning towards trades. I don't want to talk about that, but I'm just saying that always kind of bothered me. Where it's like if you just wanted to put it out as a trade so badly, just put it out as a trade. But for some reason, with these new Avengers um, stuff, what they've been doing is they waited like six months, and then they put out a hardcover, and then they wait out four months later, and then put out the, the paperback version. Well, so they, they probably yeah. make a ton of money. On oh yeah, them. absolutely. I, I mean, and that's probably what's driving it. But it's just it's frustrating when you just want to turn somebody onto a book, and you just want the trade to be out. You know? And the other thing though. Is that you know that in the background of everything, everybody at Marvel, no matter what anybody says, all the people behind the money desks are going, "Oh God, I hope speculation comes back." Yeah, I want. Well, that. they were I mean, all that, buying jets back then. Yeah. Well, I saw Joe Casada's apartment in Wired, and uh, he's yeah, not doing yeah. too shabby. Yeah, and I think he's got a problem. Jeez. Ron, did but, you buy Justice League? Uh, yeah, I did. Well, not so much about the story because that was just a terrible storyline. But okay. Uh, did you see at the end that they said that? Justice League is ending. No, I didn't. Actually. That was the, that was the final issue. Was it? Jeez, yeah, so talk about out with a whimper. So they're rebooting it. Like oh the other God. Yeah, there will be no Justice League 126. That's <laughs> what it says at the end. I didn't even. Oh yeah, so on the cover it says the end of the G, the JLA. Yeah. There will be no 126. I know you. I know you're annoyed by that. Nah, I don't care. He doesn't care about the Justice League. Though. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't care. It's not uncanny, so I'm fine. Right. <laughs> I mean, no, whatever. About the Flash a couple weeks ago. They've got they, well, because I don't have an emotional attachment to JLA. If it was Morrison still doing, still doing what JLA he did was back when it started. started. But let's let's be honest. JLA as a book has not been a good book since before issue one hundred. Agreed. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think I don't really think we're losing anything. And if they've got something bigger planned with this one year later fifty two stuff, then bring it on. Well, the rumor is that it's everything the on Meltzer. that. Meltzer, yeah, that would, really okay. And you can I'll kiss that. And you can kiss a monthly book goodbye. Why? <laughs> because he had an identity crisis like written and in the can, and even that wasn't monthly, right? Didn't that come out like almost you know every two months or every six weeks or whatever? Maybe they did that on purpose. It's going to be the same. Th- it's going to be the same thing as you know. Why don't you put Kevin Smith on Green Arrow again? Well, that, that was, no. those were good though. Those were good. God, but, I loved Phil Hester's art too. Again, yeah. that's that style, but yeah, that's that's that wasn't the writer's fault necessarily. Was was uh, JLA ever really good after Morrison left it? There were moments. Yeah, right, but there was all there was. Yeah. Like, there was not a run again. I think Mark Wade was on a little while, and they're like, now Mark Wade! And you're yeah, like, and then eh. Busiek did some stuff, yeah. and, and, and and when Ron Garney was drawn, and... and yeah, is, but... is is Busiek done? No. 
No. No, he's no, he's he's, I mean. he's actively involved in all this Fifty Two stuff, isn't he? Isn't he exclusive yeah. to DC now? Or? Yeah, yeah, he's doing Aquaman. Yeah, and he's in Superman. Yeah, he's doing. Are they the good Super- though? Yeah, well, I don't mean. I don't know. They're coming. They're coming out. I haven't, they haven't, they haven't yeah, what yet. you mean is can he can he do anything good anymore? Yeah. Yes, he, he did that he... really good um, series. What was that? That's that sci-fi series with. Uh, it wasn't superheroes. It was it was what was it called with the dragons and it was all sorcery. It was really good. Oh, so good you can't Aerosmith? remember the name. Aerosmith. 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 There, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really good. That was really. By the way, I just realized what that name was because that's the first time I've said it out loud. Aerosmith. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I, I mean, even though it was delayed as all hell, but put all, put them all together, and the last arc, Astro City, was still gold. I mean, yeah, it was. for some reason that that I mean, I don't know why he's doing anything but that because that that stuff would probably sell. Because it doesn't sell. Doesn't sell. Remember in the late nineties when he was doing like when they put in the late nineties when they put him on like I think it was Avengers for a while, and he was on. Oh, well, yeah, that was the big stuff. Avengers relaunch when it was him and Perez. That was, and was so good. And well, then he was well hang on, hang on, though. Hang on, though. Hang on, because it was so good, but yet, what did that give us? Triathlon and the triune understanding. And it got all, got, I remember it got all wonky, and I dropped it. It was, it was all really good up to that point, though. Right, exactly. And, and, and that was Everybody's allowed a bad story, man. They had it and lost it. That's, that's no. the universal... Yeah, I guess, unifying, Sick Boy's unifying theory. Yep. But, uh... Jeff Johns, who we talked about on the board, and Kurt, are, they're 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 paring down the Superman line to two books, and those guys are doing the two books. After Jeff the, Johns confuses me. So they're, so they're giving the um, Superman books the X Men treatment. Yes. Nice. Yes. So the, Why does Jeff X-Men Johns treatment? confuse you? Wait, fin- what's the X Men treatment? Uh, uh, we're gonna trim down the books. Oh, yeah. well, that need get, like there was ever not enough X Men books. Well, they say that every like two or three years, they're gonna tr- they cancel books left and right, and they're gonna trim it down and focus on these, and then a year later, you've got more books, right? Than you originally started. With. Well, Jeff Johns, uh, you know, there, there's been bits where he he showed a lot of promise. I don't think that he's ever done. I don't think he's done his great thing yet. I think the Flash was really good, but I don't think it was great. Well, and then he, there's other I mean, stuff. Gonna that he's ask done for that's a, been some awful. people, some people would say that Green the Green Lantern Return was his greatness, was his great stroke. He said that in that interview. He said Green Lantern Four, I think, was. I really liked Rebirth too. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I'm talk, not not the ongoing because the ongoing's been shit. But the well, Rebirth. yeah, that's that's the that's the other part of it. The really. ongoing is the only thing of his I've read that I haven't liked. So Agreed. He's, he's he, had a great run in terms of quality. He may not have had the great run yet, but he's still young. He's had a lot of runs. He's, of, he's of, been he's been way more consistent than other people. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, these first four issues of Green Lantern have been the only anomaly. And this stuff he did at Marvel before he went exclusive to DC was great. Yeah, but and, he's a solid B student. No, I no. wouldn't say that's true. He's a B plus A minus student. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that's more accurate. Okay, all yeah. right. That's everything, my... but everything barring the, the the weird Green Lantern thing. Yeah, and and I'm, and I'm admittedly I'm biased because I think his Flash run was. I mean, it was enough for me to to just randomly walk up to him in San Diego and just thank him and shake his hand and say, you know, like because it was just great. And if, he, if at that point he said thanks a lot, and he looked side to side, and he ran the other way. No, no, we had a nice little conversation. Was this after that. Josh said thank you for sending him a letter? Was that the that, only one that didn't thank Jeff Johns at the convention? That's what. Um, that's what. Who did that to me? Jeff Loeb couldn't get away from me fast enough. <laughs> but the person who really couldn't get away from me fast enough was Paul Denny. Yeah. <laughs> who just looked so freaked out, like, oh god, leave me alone. Oh god, leave me alone. Well, that was Actually, the. Well, that was the. Paul, was that the year of the Paul Denny? Um, uh, watching him throughout the entire con. 
Okay, that sounded weird, and I'd like you to explain that. No, do you remember who was with me when we were sitting? No, it was you and me. We saw him. Yeah, we're 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 no, wait, wait, we're waiting to go into a panel. I believe it was the Terry Moore panel. It was, and we see (laughs) Paul Dini because he's a big guy. You can't miss him, and he just walked very pointedly as if he was looking for someone or something and he went into one of the meeting rooms and then he came back out and he stopped and he looked and he went into the bathroom and then came back out obviously he didn't go to the bathroom he says <laughs> though it's important to picture like he he rightly marched in he was like i'm on my way here i'm going here yep and, and then he sort of stopped and turned around and went the other way with exactly the same gusto. Exactly, exactly. And and to this day, I don't know what he was doing, but he was like that for the rest of the con. Every time I saw him, he just walks with a, this this sense of direction that that uh, honestly I respect. If I was the security <laughs> people, I would have checked to see if he planted the bomb. Yeah, it was it was really sketchy. I mean, and it, the the funny thing was is that it was like contained over a 20-minute period where we were just sitting there waiting to get into this panel, and we're just watching it, because he had, like, a bright Hawaiian shirt on or something, right? And yeah. we we're just a watching... Lot of, a lot of the comic writers are into giant, loud shirts. That's <laughs> true. That is a weird phenomenon. Yeah. I don't know what that is about, but it's tons of them. I will say this, Josh, that Ron and I had a good time watching you talk to Jeff Loeb. Yeah, that was fun. Watching you go, watch, going, oh, he doesn't want to be talking to Josh. Oof. He wants to get out of there. Look at that. He wants to go. I wasn't <laughs> conscious of that. It was it was so apparent. That I we still could tell had to do it though. Oh god! I had to try. He, I think Jeff Loeb. I think I did my awkward talking to thing with Jeff Loeb, where I was th- where I was getting. I think he was sitting next to Dave Gibbons oh, yes. to do sketching, yes. and I just went so commando, <laughs> and he just and he just kind of nodded and went yep, and I just said nice. Just like <laughs> I love doing that to pseudo famous people. I did that to, when I went to. This is off of comics, but when I went to. Um, uh, messy Yankees game before the game I went to a Keith Hernandez card signing and it was right around when he was on Seinfeld and so I went up to get my card signed and I just went and it was kind of quiet and he's like what's your name I'm like oh Ron and he's like yeah I'm like so Seinfeld and he's just like yep <laughs> and I just kind of nodded creepily and then I just walked away Scary, I remember that, yeah. that, that that sort of when I was uh, that's how I met Mike Carey when I was in at the thing because he was sort of standing there all by himself like he was sitting at the Vertigo desk and he's not a penciler and people don't really pay attention to the to the writers, and you know it's not like a huge writer. He's sort of standing there, and he looked kind of sad. And I was like, "Lucifer's really good." <laughs> oh, thanks. You want an autograph? And I was like, "Sure." You know, th- there have so been a couple. The there have been a couple of people who I've seen at the cons do, which I, th- I thought was a great idea, where they go up to the, the writers and ask them to write a page of a story, and like build upon a story in somebody's sketchbook, and then go to the artist and have them kind of draw. You know, what I mean, like kind of a collaborative type thing. And That's the writer, the writers that I've seen do it always get excited. They're like, "Oh yeah, great!" And then they go off, and then they come back, and like, you know, it's like. That's kind of fun to involve. Yeah, in. that's that's uh, that's uh, that's asking a lot. Yeah. A long time ago, when I was um, when there was still big cons in New York, back when Marvels came out, this was when was that ninety ninety two ninety three seventy eight seven nineteen seventy eight when I was one years old. Um, <laughs> I went to the con and we were getting we didn't. This was back before people would go with sketchbooks and things, and so we had like back boards people would draw sketches on that we had with us and. We were there was a big long line for Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. This was this was literally soon after Marvels came out, and um, we me, my friend and I went up to them, and I think at that point Alex Ross was so tired of sketching that Kurt did the sketch and Alex did the dialogue balloon, which I thought was cool. That's cool. I think I, I mean think Kurt can't draw, but it was it was just cool that it was, it was a also, rudimentary drawing of, of a character, but it was it was cool. It's the, it's the kind of thing where you all, I think you always have to. I mean, you don't always have to, but I think that I think as much as I think these guys like to be surprised. Yeah, you know? exactly. Because it, yeah. it gets monotonous when 
when Steve Dillon draws, you know, Cassidy's head 18 times in a row. With a, with a ballpoint pen, by the way. <laughs> I love that man. I honestly four, love him. And a four-day shadow. I love that but man so it's much. It's true. They get, they get tired of drawing the same thing over. over yeah. right, the same thing over. They, they, I've seen them get kind of, you know, excited by an offbeat request. Yeah, yeah. I had, um, I had Scott Collins draw me a flash boot once. He was totally excited about it. Like well, I didn't said, he want to charge you for a sketch? He did, but I said, can you just draw me the boot? He's like, what do you mean? I go, you know, the flash boot with the ridges. He's like, that's it? I was like, yeah. He drew the boot. He was happy about it. Well, well, that's like to this day, Mike Oming, I mean, the, my whole Mike Oming thing. With Emming. The, with the power, Emming, with the powers thing. When we went in 2001 and I asked him for a power sketch, and for some reason he just gave me Walker's forehead and eyes, <laughs> and which I'm, I'm, I'm opening up right now just to kind of look at it and remember it. But, um... And then 2002, I went and I said, you did this last year, can you just do a mouth? <laughs> and he laughed, and he's like, yeah, so he just drew a mouth on 2002 under it, and then in 2003, I went back, I'm like, can you give me a chin and an ear, maybe? And so he <laughs> did the chin and the ear, and so every time I see him at a con, I'm going to bring this and have him expand on the drawing, so. Um, Tales from the con. Oh, uh, yes. We know where uh, this is going to end up eventually, so we might as well stop. Let's do some viewer mail. We have any good <laughs> viewer right. mail? Well, not viewers, because we're not actually... Listener mail. You, listener mail. Uh, we got one from our um, first Canadian frapper mapper. That's right, people. Yeah, Steve from Ottawa. He took up the challenge, but of course Ottawa is right there on the east coast of Canada, so it's kind of yeah. Like what, a... what we really need is you know Saskatchewan people. We need the western provinces. Yeah, we need we need Vancouver. We'll Although, take that. Although, did you see it? What Minnesota? Yes. Oh, I was so happy. And, and didn't he have a statement about what they're, they're called, the flyover land or something like that? Well, they're the flyover states. They all Flyover are. states. Because yeah. we fly over them when we go to see each other. And we pay no attention when we exactly <laughs> liberal politics and gay marriages on the coasts. Anyway, um, so Steve wrote in, and he, he, loved, you know, he loves the podcast and likes what we're doing, so that's always nice. Um, he wanted us to explain to him uh, why he's been seeing ads in Marvel Comics advertising the Flash DVD. Um the past couple of months. And then he's asking, doesn't Warner Brothers have exclusivity with DC? If so, why would Marvel advertise with, with, with why would Marvel advertise WB no less the Flash? Well, I've got a completely uneducated guess. So do I. My uneducated guess would be twofold. For, for Warner Brothers' part, it would be they'd want to get in front of as many eyes as possible in their audience group, and that means advertising with rival yep. comic companies. Mm-hmm. And from Marvel's point of view, uh, they're not turning down any advertising. Well, yeah, no. I, th- I think you're right about the second one. I don't think you're right about the first one because uh, because technically, they're not running DC ads; they're running Warner Brothers video ads. Right, but I'm saying if you're well, going to no, be territorial I mean, it's, about it's, it, then the, the explanation right, no, but, would be that. But the thing is, is that it's also thing, if it's the Flash, though, it's it's clearly a DC property. Right, but but also, but they they ran Batman Begins ads through Marvel Comics all That's true. throughout the year. The the true. You're, and they put the, Punisher the, ads in the DC comics, right? Yeah, you, the, the the latter aspect of what you said is how they'll they'll pu- they'll print any ad. DC would print any ad too. I mean, it's not something where no, absolutely. They yes. have, well, that's the thing is that the, really the, I mean, the pot of money that you're talking about for comic books has got to be very tiny compared to the advertising budget for a major release. You know what I mean? Like right. the people who are advertising Daredevil comics probably or Dare, the Daredevil movie for a DVD. You know. Or electric. They're like, we're going to put this wherever we... We're going to put this all over the place. And, yep. you know, who cares? But they don't care about the comics. It doesn't even matter to them. Right, and the and the comic companies, they want to fill pages. And they just want eyes. To. And the advertisers yeah. just want the eyes. And 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 all and, and also, as somebody who, you know, not, I mean, whatever, in my real life is in, in the marketing kind of world, a lot of times um, 
companies, uh, ad agencies or companies will buy ad space not knowing what they're going to advertise. True. And so um, what happens, and quite often companies will sell ad space not knowing what they will be getting the ads they'll be getting for. Um, and a lot of times they'll make commitments about numbers of impressions and number of ads they'll print. That's why, I don't know if anybody, you know, you guys don't read Marvel as much as I do, but if you notice towards the end of last year, the last three months of Marvel books were just packed with ads. Really? Like, more so than, than in a while, because they're getting close to the end of the year and they had all these commitments that they had to fill, so they were just filling the back pages with ads. Um, so in a, on a similar bent, you know, Warner, Warner Brothers Home Video, they've got all this stuff to to sell, and it happens to be right now their product is is the Flash DVD, which, by the way, we strongly recommend because it's got John Wesley's ship. Um, that was a great show. It was a great show. So, have you guys noticed just the absolute abhorrent state of of ads in comic books lately? Uh, yeah, the, I don't, mean, I mean, don't get me started. Well, like, like I remember, and it, you know, the worst place is in Ultimate Spider-Man. Because the people doing it have no idea. I, I really think that the, the people placing the ads are not paying attention to where they're putting things. Because you'll have one page, you'll have like an ad for the like, like a really crappy Spider-Man fishing pole. And then there'll be a really cheaply, not well-thought-out ad for like zit cream or something like that. And don't even get me started on the Human Torch Halloween costume kid. Exactly. Which to, which to this day I have nightmares about. <laughs> no, we'll put we'll put ads in the comics. Yeah, the kids the kids in the comics love that. They'll be buying the Human Torch kit, right? Uh, which is like I mean, nobody's. And have you seen the Hanes Wolverine boxer ad? Oh, uh, it's just, it's 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 painful. It's, it, My you're... favorite though is the, I've seen it in Vertigo books, and I think it's been in other books. Is the FBI automatically accusing you of being a criminal ad? Have you seen that one? No, which one is that? It's if you. It's not so much now. Probably a few months ago, six months ago, there was these ads that uh, the FBI was putting in. Con- I, don't, I think it was the FBI, but it was the like the anti-piracy one. Oh yeah, yeah. Basically, straight out calling you a thief. Yeah. You stealing is a crime. When you steal things on the internet, and it was like in print, not really visible, and you know you are. It, it was this big like you're a thief, horrible thing. They put, it's like the stamp they put on CDs now. You, you know what I found really interesting, though? Because I'm flipping through the last two weeks of books, and I'm just looking at the ads. Um, flipping through, like, X-Factor and Powers. There's okay. not one ad in Powers. And I know it's their created own imprint, but it's still Marvel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I'm sorry, there's one ad, which is for... Um, two, there are two ads. The back cover is for the hardcover of Powers, and the inside cover is for um, Emming's other... Those aren't ads. Other those books. Are just... Yeah, those are, like, trade ads, which I think... I mean... Interesting. I mean, I, I the, the, the yeah. movies and the like the the movies and the, and the video games. Those ads make sense. That's fine. This this uh, you know next wave has got ads for like Honda Elements, which is you know that's correct. That's who they should be advertising to. Yeah, and th- I've seen an increase in video game ads. And, well, and, I'm sure that's their bread and butter right now. Yeah, but yeah. it it is interesting that even though. I mean, but but you know, S- Steve brings up you know an interesting point though is that I wonder, and I'm trying to look now through my DC and my Marvel books because Marvel's got this Ultimate Avengers movie out, and yet I don't think that ad's appearing in any DC books. So um, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, but I bet there's like I bet the Fantastic yeah. Four DVD advertised everywhere. And, yeah. From the no, same token, you get a lot me. of ads for the DC cartoons. But they're not DC cartoons. They're Warner Brothers cartoons. Right. But I'm saying is the properties are DC properties. They're still, but they're not. No, they're, not D, they're not DC properties. They're Warner yeah, Brothers. Well, properties. listen though, they but still serve as marketing listen, for DC they're not, properties. They're not in Marvel books. You right. get the cartoon ads in DC books, and you get the DVD ads in Marvel books. They're still yeah, splitting sure. it in that sense. 
Uh, possibly. I want to know how many people go to the Joe Kubert School because they've advertised in every issue of every comic book I've Well, the, I think the, their most recent life. ad has got a list of alumni, which is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. So. Lots of people went there. But, um, it's a mail-in course. <laughs> anyway, so Steve had a second question. I don't know if we answered that, but I, I mean, honestly, I don't think we know. Maybe we can track down somebody in the advertising department of Marvel who can answer it for us. My thing is, I think it's too big, and they don't. I'm guessing the people who yeah. do advertising don't care. Like, you yeah, want an ad? Sure. And the people doing the printing don't care either. They just they just want to print it and get it out some semblance close to the right release date. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever answer it. So, but um. The second question was he wanted to know what our thoughts on Deadly Genesis were. And am I the only one reading that? What is that? Probably, because I don't know what that is. That is X-Men Deadly Genesis, the miniseries that Brubaker is writing um, for, yes. the, for the X-Men before he takes over Uncanny. I'm going to um, buy his Uncanny, but I'm not going to go um, into the other stuff. This, they gave it a dumb name. I'm not buying it. I mean, th- this. I mean, I've read every issue so far, and like the, I, I remember talking. Um, I remember thinking about the first issue, and I think it was like one of those one of those weeks where, like, wow, if this was my pick of the week. I probably would have picked it mm-hmm. because it just it uh, it, wow. it it really blew me away. Like that was what kind of gave me hope for Brubaker coming onto the book. I can um, believe that though. He's really good. because he was really good. It's gotten we're into like the I think the third or fourth issue, and it's gotten not as good. But I don't think that's because it's bad. I think it's just because we're building, and I don't know where everything's going. Um, I think he starts off strong a lot, and then yeah. sometimes he loses interest. Yeah, and it's getting—it's like getting a little more drawn out than I would like. I'd like the action kind of pick up, but I, you know, I know be patient and it'll all pay off. But the the big notable thing is that they killed Banshee, which um, really, yeah, which you know, more Irish. Yeah, exactly. So. Irish on Irish crime. I don't know what that <laughs> means. That doesn't mean anything. But um, but Deadly Genesis, I like it. I'm buying it. I'll keep on buying it, and and um, hopefully Steve's buying it too, and he likes it, or maybe he doesn't like it. And there's some sort of controversy I'm missing, and he was hoping we'd talk about it, but I missed it. So now is a title like that good? Because I hear that title and it instantly turns me off. And and maybe that's just I don't like that kind of book that they would name stuff that. But you know, I don't think it's bad. I think it's generic. Maybe that's it. I think it's got something to do with something that's going to happen that I don't know about. Well, if that happens, that's fine. But I feel like a lot of titles, not not doesn't specifically, but it's like they throw two words together. This sounds good. This sounds good together. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw around a a compliment right now. I think one thing that Warren Ellis does really good is he 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 has really good titles. He has little short, punchy titles that that sell well. You know, like the title makes it sound modern and fresh. Okay. Okay. No, but like you know. Fell and uh, you know I think red or all these colors or things like that. I don't know that just seems modern to me. It seems like like a good way to go and you know Deadly Genesis Neon Evangelists or whatever. And nothing nothing can beat X Men the End Book Three Men and X Men. <laughs> <laughs> so exhausting to even say. It's the best title of the year. Yeah, it is. Yeah. One hundred bullets. You know, good <laughs> That's title. a good title. It is. It's a great title. It was a great book for a long time. It's still got you by the scrotum, though. God. <laughs> you know what? I, I almost didn't buy this one, and because uh, it, it was it's issue seventy, I think, and it was part two of two. And um, here it is. That was my last issue. I'm done. Wow. And you're proclaiming it now one. on the podcast that you're done. Yes, I am. You know, I, and I'll join you because as much as I liked the Aguirre Sakasa writer guy, the Marvel Knights Fantastic Four book four hasn't been good for a long time, and I, I think this week was the last book I'll pick up on that one too. Okay. So, well, I've been buying. I, I got mean, nothing. That's to seventy drop. issues of one hundred bullets, and and it, see at the beginning, it was it was like it was this really neat idea where you would show up in somebody's life, and you say, "I have this gun." And the bullets, and you, and you get 100 bullets, and 
each of the bullets uh, is completely untraceable. So no matter what you do with it, you will not be held responsible. And then they would give the person uh, all this evidence of somebody in their life who wronged them horribly. And so the person was faced with the choice of what do I do? And it was really well done. The first, like, probably 20 or 30 issues were like that. And in the background was this sort of big world conspiracy thing going on. And it got, was kind of there and whatever. And then since since 30 and 40, like, it's just all been this really confusing world conspiracy thing. And they're not doing the 100 Bullets thing anymore. No more so the moral quandary. The thing that really made me like the book is completely gone. They lost sight of the concept. Totally. So... I think we've wrung all the life out of comics this week. Yeah. And it wasn't much to wring. It was a kind of a slight week, but those are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Not to worry. If there's anything else that we should have picked up, let us know. I said Ron? Add there. Yeah, absolutely. You can you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com and uh, let us know what you thought or what you want our opinions on. And or if you, you want know, to give us any more uh, questions to discuss in the air, because we like discussing your exactly. We like we're, we're interacting with you folks. You know, this is a give and take. So. How's the map doing, Ron? The Frapper map is doing well. We're, we broke fifty uh, today, right or yesterday? Yesterday. Um, Although I don't trust number forty-eight. Well. Um, if you're that chick band from England, uh, email us. I want to know that you're actually on the site and not just spamming us to go to your MySpace page. <laughs> that's what I want to know. So that, I'm that's sorry. Our, that's our challenge. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we got we had a lot of uh, Frapper representation, you know, including Canada and we had Minnesota. and um, Where else, Connor? I'm, I'm blanking. Virginia, right? I believe so. And yeah. Oh, Austria. Right. And oh, he yes, said, I like one. listening to the podcast. Or, or you know, So he's listening to it. He's not Continuing just... our European dominance. Yes, oh. it was. <laughs> it she wasn't was in your... broken English, though. I was, hoping, I was hoping that it would be. Well, he might talk if he spoke in English. <laughs> yeah, he said, nice podcast in, from Vienna, Austria. Would I, 666. Which is awesome. And he's, he's Satan also, so that's nice. Yeah, and we um. I got that going for me. <laughs> and the guy with the Dr Pepper um box on his head just wrote, "Yeah, well, it's cool." And I'm guessing he's talking about the Dr Pepper box. So. <laughs> George is. Kelly Johnson in Texas. So we, we kind of made fun of him. Well, I didn't mean I just thought it was funny. I still no, no, it, it was I, lighthearted. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, you, you know, put a you put mean. a Dr Pepper on your on your on your head, Dr Pepper box on your head. You have yeah. to you have to endure the slings and arrows. You'll get commented on. And Popmatic in Columbus, Ohio, um, gave a little shout out to his comic book store, The Laughing Ogre. So well, I've heard that store before. I have that store. Interesting. I've never heard of it. So oh, it's supposed to be a really good store. Cool. It um, is. Yeah, so it was a good week for the Frapper Map. So keep it up. But um, folks, you zoom into America and you see that we got that you know effect happening still. So we need Dakotas are still just saying no. Dakotas, Kansas, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana. We need you. How about somebody in the Seattle region? Yeah, or or, or on, Alberta. The Pacific Northwest, you're cool people. You read comics. It's raining. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. And we still don't have Africa or um, South America. We we kind of had South America. We just well, we had somebody email from South America, but he didn't go to the pin thing. So that's unfortunately, true. I'd really um, like to get somebody from from the Congo. Hey, on a on a on a special note. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm looking for a comic book artist. So if you happen to be listening to this. And you're interested, or like, have some experience and have drawn, uh, you know, comics, uh, and and know what you're doing. I'm, I'm looking for like, I'm doing a style of book that is sort of like, um, I just in the vein of a box office poison or a strangers in paradise, like a real life sort of thing. It's not fantasy. It's not sci-fi, um, uh, and that's all. 
So you drop me an email if you think you can. If you want to send me some some samples or anything like that, I'll let you look at some of the script. You can send it to josh at ifanboy.com, and I totally pimp myself on this podcast. Gee, Ron, do you have anything to self-promote? Not really. I have, a, I have some steak knives that I'm looking to sell, but I just, after, I, I just, I just after, go to Craigslist. But you know, After yeah. fame and fortune, uh, you know, I'll drop you two losers <laughs> in the dust far behind. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, you know, but, you know, we'll always have... Um, We'll always have I don't know the planet of women and we'll, we'll and, always have um and, and hobo man <laughs> and Eddie Campbell. <laughs> All right, go to ifanboy.com, check it out. Email us contact at ifanboy.com. Rapper map rapper.com slash ifanboy. He totally stopped us from going on just about nothing. Spell you f r a p p r dot com slash ifanboy or go to ifanboy.com and click it in the upper right hand corner. Fantastic. You read that a little like a radio DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and we're the back! Corner. And we're back! <laughs> <laughs> I need a cowbell or something. It's so hard not to go into a radio voice when you're doing this, by the way. Yeah. Like, when you do the intro and you're like, hi, welcome to iFanboy, you like, you don't want to sound like you're selling Toyotas, but it's so hard not to. Yeah. Oh, and then the other option is to sound like you're on really bad college radio. That was, um, that was the Meat Puppets with <laughs> Lake of Fire. Oh, boy. <laughs> some other albums. 